This episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, and they have over 100,000 titles available for download. Visit audibletrial.com slash thescaldcircle to begin your trial and download your free audiobook today. It's time to relax, grab a drink, pull up a chair by the hearth, and have a seat in the Scald Circle and listen to Chapter 6 of The High Deeds of Finn and Other Bardic Romances of Ancient Ireland, as told by Manogan. Before we begin our story, we wanted to remind you that we release new tales for free every week. Our shorter tales release on Wednesdays, and our longer chapter stories release on every other Saturday. Find out where you can hear them on our website at thescaldcircle.com. And be certain to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. That way, you'll never miss out on one of our enchanting tales from around the world. Now then, without further ado, this is The High Deeds of Finn and Other Bardic Romances of Ancient Ireland. Chapter 6 Atharma the Bard, surnamed the Extortionate was the chief poet and satirist of Ulster in the reign of Conor Magnessa. Greed and arrogance were in his heart and poison on his tongue, and the kings and lords of whom he had asked rewards for his poems dared not refuse him aught, partially because of the poisonous satires and lampoons which he would otherwise make upon them for their cowardliness, and partially for that in Ireland at that day it was deemed shameful to refuse to abard whatever he asked. Once it was said that he asked of a sub-king, namely Okimak Lukta, who was famed for hospitality and generosity, the single thing that Okti would have grieved to give, namely his eye. Inoki had but one eye. But the king plucked it out by the roots and gave it to him, and Atharna went away disappointed, for he had looked that Okti would ransom his eye at a great price. Now Conor Magnessa, king of Ulster, and all of the Ulster lords, having grown very powerful and haughty, became ill neighbors to all the other kingdoms in Ireland. On fertile Leicester, above all, they fixed their eyes, and sought for an opportunity to attack and plunder the province. Connor resolved at last to move Atharna to go to the king of Leicester, in hopes that he himself might rid Atharna, by the king of Leicester's killing him for his insolence and his exactions and that he might avenge the death of his bard by the invasion of Leinster. Atharna, therefore, set out for Leinster, accompanied by his train of poets and harpers and gillies, and arrived at the great dune of Mesgerda, the king, at Nas in Kildare. Here he dwelt for twelve months, wasting the substance of the Leistermen, and in the end, when he was minded to return to Ulster, he went before the king Mesgerda and the lords of Leinster, and demanded his poet's fee. What is thy demand, Athana? asked Mesgerda. So many cattle and so many sheep, answered Athana, and store of gold and raiment, and of the fairest dames and maidens of Leicester, forty-five, to grind at my querns in Dunatharna. It shall be granted to thee, said the king, Dinathana feared some mischief, while the king and the nobles of Leicester had not seemed like men on whom shameful conditions were laid, nor had they offered to ransom their women. Athana therefore judged that the Leicester men might fall upon him to recover their booty when he was once beyond their border. 
for within their own borders they might not affront a guest. He sent, therefore, a swift messenger to Connor MacNessa, bidding him come with a strong escort as quickly as he might to meet Athana's band of the marches of Leicester and convey him safely home. Athana then departed from Nas, with a great herd of sheep and cattle and other spoils, and with thrice fifteen of the noblewomen of Leicester. He went leisurely, meaning to strike the high road to Amania from Dublin. But when he came thither, the leafy was swollen with rain, and the ford at Dublin might not be crossed. He caused, therefore, many great hurdles to be made. And these were set in the river, and over them a causeway of boughs was laid, so that his cattle and spoils came safely across. Hence is the town of that place called, to this day, in Gaelic, the city of the Hurdle Ford. On the next day, Connor and the Ulstermen met him, but a great force of the men of Leicester was also marching from Nas to the border to recover their womenfolk, even as Zarthna has expected. The Leicestermen then broke the battle on the company from Ulster and defeated them, driving them with the cows of Athna on to the sea cape of Ben Eda. But they recovered the women. On Ben Eda did King Connor with a remnant of his troop then fortify themselves making a great fosse across the neck of the land, by which Beneda is joined to the mainland. And here they were besieged, with hard fighting by day and by night, expecting that help should come to them from Ulster, whither they had sent messengers to tell of their distress. Now, Connell of the Victories was left behind to rule in Amania when Connor set forth to Leicester, and he now, on hearing how the king was beset, assembled a great host and marched down to Benada. Here he attacked the host of Leicester and had a great battle, many being slain on both sides. And the king of Leicester, Mescada, lost his left hand in the fight. In the end, the men of Leicester were routed and fled, and Mescada drove in his chariot past the city of the Hurdleford and nasked to the fords of Lithi at Clane. Here there was a sacred oak tree where druid rites and worship were performed, and that oak tree was sanctuary, so that within its shadow, guarded by mighty spells, no man might be slain by his enemy. Now Conal Cairnlacht had followed hard on the tract of Macdera, and when he found him beneath that oak, he drove his chariot round and round the circuit of the sanctuary, bidding Mascara come forth and do battle with him, or be counted a dastard among the kings of Aaron. But Mescada said, Is it the fashion of champions of Ulster to challenge one-armed men to battle? Then Connell let his charioteer bind one of his arms to his side, and again he taunted Mescada and bade him come forth. Mescada then drew his sword, and between him and Connell there was a fierce fight, until the Liffey was reddened with their blood. At last, by a chance blow of the sword of Mescada, the bonds of Connell's left arm were severed. On thy head be it, said Connell, if thou release me again. Then he caused his arm to be bound up once more, and again they met, sword and sword, and again in the fury of the fight, Mascara cut the throngs that bound Connell's arm. The gods themselves have doomed thee, shouted Connell then, and he rushed upon Mascara, and in no time he had wounded him to death. Take my head, said Mascara then, and add thy glory to thy glory. But be well assured, this wrong shall yet be avenged by me upon Ulster. And then he died. 
Then Conall cut off the head of Mascara and put it in his chariot, and took also the chariot of Mascara and fared northwards. Ere long he met a chariot and fifty women accompanying it. In it was Boon, the queen, wife of Mascara, returning home from a visit to Merth. Who art thou, woman? said Conall. I am Boon, wife of Mascada the king. Thou art to come with me, then said Conall. And who has commanded this? said Boon. Mesgada the king, said Conall. By what token dost thou lay these commands upon me? Behold his chariot and his horses, said Conall. He gives rich gifts to many a man, answered the queen. Then Conall showed her the head of her husband. This is my token, said he. Uh, it is enough, said Boon. But give me leave to bewail him ere I go into captivity. Then Boon rose up in her chariot and raised from Mascada a keen of sorrow so loud and piercing that her heart broke with it, and she fell backwards on the road and died. Colonel Kianach then buried her there and laid the head of her husband by her side and the fair hazel tree that grew from her grave by the fords of Clane was called Colborna, or the hazel tree of Boone. But ere Connell buried the head of Mascara, he caused the brain to be taken out, and mixed with lime to make a bullet for a sling. For so it was customary to do when a great warrior had been killed, and the brain balls thus made were accounted to be the deadliest of missiles. So when Leicester had been harried and plundered and its king and queen thus slain, the Ulsterman drew northward again, and the brain ball was laid up in the dune of King Connor at Amania. Now, years afterward, it happened that the wolf of Connacht, namely Cat, son of Marga, came disguised within the borders of Ulster in search of prey, and he entered the palace precincts of Connor and Amania. There he saw two jesters of the king, who had gotten the brain ball from the shelves where it lay and were rolling it about the courtyard. Cat knew it for what it was, and put it out of sight of the justice and took it away with him while they made search for it. Thenceforth, Cat carried it ever about him in his girdle, hoping that he yet might use it to destroy some great warrior among the Ulstermen. One day thereafter, Cat made a foray on the men of Ross and carried away a spoil of cattle. The host of Ulster and King Connor with them overtook him as he went homeward. The men of Connacht had mustered to the help of Cat, and both sides made ready for battle. Now a river, namely Brosna, ran between them, and on a hill at one side of this were assembled a number of noblewomen of Connacht, who desired greatly to look on the far-famed Ulthan warriors, and above all on Connor the king whose presence was said to be royal and stately beyond any man that was then living in Erin. Among the bushes close to the women, Cat hid himself and lay still but watchful. Now Connor, seeing none but womenfolk close to him at this point and being willing to show them his splendor, drew near to the bank on his side of the stream. Then Cat leapt up, whirling his sling, and the bullet hummed across the river and smote King Connor on the temple and his men carried him off for dead. And the men of Connacht broke the battles on the Ulstermen, slaying many and driving the rest of them back to their own place. This battle was thenceforth called the Battle of the Ford of the Slingcast, or Achunar.
and so the place is called to this day. When Connor was brought home to Ammonia, his chief physician, Fingen, found the ball half buried in his temple. If the ball be taken out, said Fingen, he will die. If it remain, he will live, but he will bear the blemish of it. Let him bear the blemish, then, said the Ulster lords. That is a small matter compared to the death of Connor. Then Fingen stitched the wound over with a thread of gold, for Connor had curling golden hair, and bade him keep himself from all violent movements and from all vehement passions, and not to ride on horseback, and he would do well. After that, Connor lived for seven years, and he went not to war during that time, and all cause of passion was kept far from him. Then one day, at broad noon, the sky darkened, and the gloom of night seemed to spread over the world, and all the people feared and looked for some calamity. Connor called to him his chief druid, namely Bukharic, and inquired him of the cause of this gloom. The druid then went with Connor into a sacred grove of oaks and performed the rites of divination, and in a trance he spoke to Connor, saying, I see a hill near a great city and three crosses on it. To one of them is named the form of a young man, who is like unto one of the immortals. Round him stand soldiers with tall spears, and a great crowd is waiting to see him die. Is he then a malefactor? Nay, said the druid, but holiness, innocence, and truth have come to earth in him, and for this cause have the druids of the land doomed him to die, for his teaching was not as theirs, and the heavens are darkened for wrath and sorrow at the sight. Then Connor leapt up in a fury, crying, they shall not slay him, they shall not slay him. Would I there with the host of Ulster, and thus would I scatter his foes. And with that he snatched his sword and began striking at the trees that stood thickly about him in the druid grove. Then, with the heat of this passion, the sling ball burst forth from his head, and he fell to the ground and died. Thus was fulfilled the vengeance of Mesgarda upon Connor Macnessa, king of Ulster. And that is chapter 6 of The High Deeds of Finn and the Other Tales of Ancient Ireland. Thank you for listening to our story. If you enjoyed it, we recommend taking a look at our Patreon page as noted in the description below. You can earn great rewards while also supporting us to keep these stories alive for future generations to come. Also remember to subscribe to us on your podcast application and leave us a 5-star rating if you enjoyed the story. A special thank you to Kat for their support this month. Without your contribution, we wouldn't be able to continue these stories, and we truly appreciate it. Visit thescaldcircle.com to stay up to date with all of our current events, news, and much more. Not only that, but you can also visit our story archive of every tale we have told. It's sorted by origin and region for the convenience of your listening pleasure. Thank you for listening to our story. Don't forget... This episode is sponsored by Audible, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. While this story is over, you can still visit audibletrial.com slash thescaldcircle to begin your trial and download your free audiobook today. Let us know what you've listened to recently on Audible via our Facebook page. We're always looking for new recommendations.